Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Respect, Humility, Empathy podcast. I'm Marshall Law. This is Isaiah Diesel, and we are here with Darrington, and we're going to talk about a really cool subject today, an interesting subject, because it's one that most of us have some experience with, Mm -hmm. and that's the topic of bullying. Some of us have been the bully. A lot of us have been on the other side, but we're going to talk about it today, and maybe some of what we share today will resonate with you and help illuminate your journey on your path. Isaiah, over to you, man. Isaiah Diesel here. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Darrington, can you tell us where you're calling out of? Yeah, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Phoenix. Uh, yeah. I actually got a Phoenix tattooed on my uh, it's my left leg. Uh, it's like a Phoenix being reborn in on itself. It's pretty cool. Pretty, I got it done in Israel. Nice. But um, so um, we uh, can you tell us a little bit about how we, you and I met? I think um, that's yeah. a good starter. Yeah, so I'm I'm on this Facebook group for anti-theists, um, and I saw you had posted um, a message, kind of looking for uh, people who'd be interesting interested in having a conversation. Um, so you know, I I had jumped in initially, just sort of like maybe this isn't the right place for this conversation. Like, you know, maybe maybe you've, you've walked down the wrong back alley. <laughs> Um, you know, so I was kind of, kind of trying to gently point you towards, um, some, uh, some areas on venues on the internet that might be a little bit more hospitable. Actually about two, about, we just wrapped up about five minutes ago with another girl from the group. So we had a very good talk about, um, the movie industry cause she, is, she makes movies. Mm-hmm. She's a producer and, uh, but actually, um, it's very, very, very relevant topic why I asked you about that, because I'm not sure. Did you see there were quite a bit of few people that were uh, cyberbullying me? Did you see that? Yeah, it, it, it had some of the comments had gotten rough. I mean, yeah, um, I want to be fair to the group because there were some comments and commenters in there that were supportive. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but it it uh, th- there was there was definitely some. Um, what you might you might even consider it abusive behavior absolutely actually one of the guys um we had already we've already talked to him his name is a gentleman by the name of leo who goes by goose moose 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 i'm sorry podcast i watched that podcast oh you did all right great yeah yeah so okay great so um moose so i i forgot to ask him this maybe you can answer this but um, if the plural of, of, of goose is geese, why isn't the plural of moose meese? No? All right. It's that was a joke. Man. That it's was a English. very bad joke. That was a very unfunny e- joke. English, English is the bully of languages. You know? I was uh, I'm trying to break some ice here, uh, Darrington, so at least give me like a sympathy laugh. Uh, but, you know, um, I want to ask you because – Somebody asked me to define this, and I, I was like, okay, I did this podcast with another atheist guy, and I asked him to define anti-theism, and he said, it's the belief that nobody should believe in God. <laughs> would, would you define, um, how would you define where you're at um, on that spectrum and why? Between like the one, uh, Marshall's at a 5.6? 5.5, I suppose, between 5, five and six, really. I'm it trying depends to get him, on whether or not I've had my coffee. I was going right. to say, I'm trying to break him down like one fraction point a week. So maybe in like five months, I might be able to get him to like a two or something. <laughs> but uh, where do you fall on that? that do- what is it called? The doctrine? It, uh, it's uh, the Dawkins scale. Yeah, the oh. scale for atheism. So with one being, I absolutely positively believe and know that God exists. And seven being, I absolutely positively know there's no possible uh, way that a God exists. And then there's the whole spectrum in between. So... Okay. There you and go. W- why are you where you're at, uh, Marshall? Oh, well, uh, as I have said on most episodes, I am uh, agnostic on the question of God, but I'm an atheist in your religion. And the reason why I have to be agnostic on the question of God is because I can't actually make a knowledge claim about something that I don't have knowledge about. 
you know, which is kind of, you know, was there something before the Big Bang? Is there something outside of this universe? Mm -hmm. I have no way of knowing that. All I know mm -hmm. is the universe. Therefore, mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know one way or the other what is outside or before, I don't even know that there is a before the universe. And because of that lack of knowledge, I can't make a conclusive statement about it, uh, which is the reason for that little tiny drop of agnosticism. But uh, again, when it comes to everybody's particular religion, definitely an atheist. So what do you think, Darrington? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a number of ways you could parse this, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Dawkins scale, you know, it sounds like Gnostics versus agnostics, just naively to um, me. And I, I, I guess on the, on the Dawkins scale, I would, I would fall on like, you know, a solid zero and it's, it's not so much like like <laughs> certainty that there is no god but the question is is like what what are we talking about when we're talking about god are we talking about god as presented by theism then yeah i don't think that 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 god is is even self-consistent um now if you want to so? talk about so? you know there's a ton of ton of examples but let's talk about like um the problem of evil Right. Okay, problem people. There you go. Which I'm sure we're we're all familiar with. That that's self inconsistent. It's like a plot hole in a movie, right? Where <laughs> you're just like it, it's not even following its own rules. Um, so so yeah, I hate that. I hate when movies do that. Maybe maybe there is something out there, right? Uh -huh. But whatever it is, it's not in any way going to look like the divinity that comes out of the pages of any of our. Um, imaginations, right? The, the imaginations of our ancestors. Okay. Uh, so that that's where I land on that scale, and and I would say that the anti-theist takes it one step further um, on that claim to special knowledge, because it says like ba basically, I think um, Christopher Hitchens, you know, mm -hmm. had had made a good point to say the anti-theist says not only do I not know, but you cannot know either. The prophet cannot make a claim to special knowledge um, that can't be demonstrable to everybody else. So, huh, okay. So then I think when I hear the word anti, I think against something, okay? So I, I found this concept self-contradictory for several, for two different reasons. But, but if you're explaining it that way, then I guess... Uh, Maybe I was just wrong because I think of this two two ways. One is that he couldn't be against something that doesn't exist. So I can't be anti-Santa Claus because he doesn't exist, right? right? So that doesn't make sense. And then the other way is if, if he does exist, then what sense would it make to oppose someone who's infinitely powerful, you know? Like, because I uh, Hitchens, and, and, I, and, I, and I had quite a bit of respect for some of the arguments he was making but this one, I, I didn't find there, there was any kind of remote logical consistency which, behind what he was saying. Because what he was saying was that if God creates you, he basically says, like, so what? Okay, God creates you, but even if he proves everything, then it doesn't really prove anything. And I'm like, I, I just couldn't follow that, the, the line of reasoning that he was saying. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. We're just trying to, you know... Um, yeah, I, I think we're, we're I think not... the anti part is really talking about an, the anti um, religion, right? Because because religion does make okay. a claim to authority based off of prophecy, okay. so special knowledge, okay. and so okay. yeah, I I think the world would be look, I I think the world would be a better place if we didn't make our value decisions based off of faith. Right. If we made our value decisions based off of real, tangible, like demonstrable evidence. Okay. Um, but I also believe that everybody has a right to believe what they want to believe. And okay. I will fight for that right. Um, you know, and, and look, in the long run, I, I personally think that we're, we're just sort of going to, I don't mean this in a bad way, we're just going to sort of evolve out of religion. It was something that we needed to get past a certain stage in our our development as a, a civilization and you know at some point it's just gonna be kind of silly to us um yeah and so we can just uh, the anti-theist can just kind of wait it out um <laughs> <laughs> i love hearing i At love this four. marshall 
<laughs> I love hearing different perspectives. This is great. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think. But for uh, the abuses of religion and the status quo. Sure. Right. Yeah. But anyway. You know, um, <laughs> we're not. This is going to be the last that we're discussing about this uh, topic. But uh, maybe I would love to go on you one on one. Not like arguing, but just talking about some of these issues uh, specifically, because I really do think that there's um, logical explanations uh, for a lot of for a lot of that. But that's not the subject of this topic. Uh, what we're talking about today is bullying. I want to ask you a few questions and first start off with my experience with bullying. I think anybody who ever becomes a bully, um, it's a learned behavior. So I think you learn it. From experiencing it yourself and um i had a mom who was um um well you've already heard some of the story but what i didn't say behind that was that she's a, a vietnam veteran so growing up she would tell us stories about being with guys who were halfway blown up and um, and dying you know what i mean so and she's like 18 years old and she left for the military to be uh because she had an abusive family which is exactly what Leo was talking about in that podcast. So as a result of all of this trauma, she developed PTSD. And so there's, there were times where I think she just, she literally couldn't control the things that she was doing and saying. And, um, uh, but as, as a kid, you don't see, you don't understand anything like that. You know, the only thing you understand is my mom's making me feel like a piece of garbage right now. So when you start to, when you start to feel that way, one of the ways I felt like I could gain control over the situation was through words, was through, it was like my retreat. So it was like my self-defense mechanism. So I hate the fact, looking back, um, especially with the daughter now, you know, knowing that I was a bully in the past to other people. But I also now know after counseling how that started in my life. And I'm not proud of it, but I don't want to deny that that happened. So that's my own experience. Um, I want to ask you about your own personal, if you've had any experiences one way or the other, and what do you think, what causes bullying? I had a really great family growing up. Um, you know, my, my mom came from a very <clears throat> kind of strict Mormon family. and um, Mormon, wow. Yeah, and, you know, my dad, uh, his family came from Kentucky, uh, Kind of to uh, his mom brought him here to, to Phoenix to escape an abusive husband, and uh, they were very sort of hillbilly kind of Pentecostal background. Um, so so it was an interesting mix growing oh, up. I was going to say that's well. But our but our family was always very tight, and I don't feel like there was any bullying going on inside of the family. Okay. Um, or or even inside of the church, if if I'm being fair, because like the church on either side has been nothing but good to me where I experienced it was mostly when I started going to public school. Um, because the area that I was in, you know, demographically, uh, I was the only, um, person of fair skin, right. Uh, <laughs> the only white person. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I can understand the animosity, right. And the, uh, what, what was going on there, why I was getting, you know, beat up every day uh, for just, you know, being the color of the skin that I was. But at the time, I didn't understand any of, of that. Of course, of course. Right? And and, and is, that by, is that by black kids or, or Mexican, like Latinos? Um, la Latinos. That's right. Um, I'm Mexican, so I mean, yeah. just talking about it. Don't don't worry about the racism yeah. or anything like that. No, it, discuss it, it, you know? You know, it, it was really interesting. Um, there, there were some other white kids at school, some... Um, uh, sort of rowdy cowboy like guys that kind of stuck to themselves um but they they would beat me up too right like oh i'd be walking home and they'd a pickup truck would pull up, off on the side <laughs> of the road jump out and they'd chase me down with like you know axe ha handles and stuff um my it, god it was an experience um what's going know? through your mind all this time man you know at, at the time you're trying to make sense of of the world and i think as a kid you just you just accept it as this is the this is the way the world is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so you try to get through day by day. And um, you know, I did have a good support structure. So by the time you know, if, if I made it home, I had 
I had strong support structure there. Um, you know, and, and then getting getting out of that, moving into the to the real world, and having the reality shock that you know the 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 rest of the world isn't like this little rural community um, in the middle of the desert uh, was kind of a, a culture shock as well. And and that's where I really found my power because that experience um, taught me the empathy that I needed to stand up for the people who were being bullied. Um, So that, that's kind of my experience. Um, uh, Bullying is my button. Like the one thing that sets me off, I cannot stand it and I cannot stand by when it's happening. But why do you think people do it though? Because I I really think bullies get a bad name and they should, but Mm -hmm. I think my in my own view is that if you loved yourself then you couldn't bully someone else because you know that you harm yourself in the process so my bullying really stemmed from my self-hatred and once i addressed that like bullying is the last thing i want to do now in the universe you know i want to build people up now but yeah yeah what, what do you think about the psyche of a bully we're all victims of our circumstances, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of who you are. And the bully is is a victim as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Let, let's not forget, you know, getting getting back to the situation that you had in the Facebook group. Um, all of those people who posted um, abusive comments to you are in that group because they were hurt by someone, right? That 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 anti-theist group is a place for people to kind of like get out all of these bad emotions so that they don't have to take it in, in, out into the rest of the world. It's like a, sort of the equivalent wow. of a vomitorium. So when you go in there and you're saying like, you know, why, why is there vomit on the walls? Well, cause it's a vomitorium. Like that's what that place is for, is for us to be angry and be ridiculous and, you know, slap each other on the face. And then we can walk out and, and be at peace. Um, and I think in in a lot of ways, bullies in the real world don't have a coping mechanism like that. You know, they don't have a support system. So their only uh, survival response, right, is to take that thing that's been inflicted on them and inflict it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that And that's just an opinion, right? I, I don't have any science to back that up. No, that makes yeah. sense. Marshall? Yeah. All I, uh, well, I want to start off by saying I made so much money when I was a bully. I can't tell you how much lunch money I generated. Wow. I had a lot of money. I'm joking, actually. I was actually more likely to be on the receiving end Um, because I was kind of different and weird. So uh, I was a target too. Uh, So I do, I I empathize. Um, And I guess the the question I want to throw out here is kind of a practical one. Uh, especially for our listeners who are uh, identifying w- with us on the receiving end. Uh, but my question to you, Darrington, is is what works to survive bullying? Like, you know, what would you tell a young person who is suffering with this? Uh, how do they cope with it? How do they survive this? I had a, a really good friend of mine told me once, and, and I'll never forget it, um, when I was going through my, my divorce, he said, you're going to try and blame yourself. And th- this is my, I want to pass this on to any other victim and, and in the bullies, right? Everybody. Um, if I have one message, right? It, you're going to try and blame yourself. It is not your fault. And, and, you, and it sounds silly, right? And it sounds cliche, but you, you need to look yourself in the eye and we need to look each other in the eye and say, you know, this is not your fault. You are responsible for yourself and your actions, but you're not responsible for your environment, mm-hmm. right? So once we can forgive ourselves and we can forgive each other, then we can work towards making the world better tomorrow than it was yesterday. Wow. Wow. Um, and that that's, wow. it sticks with me, right? I remember it Ooh. every day. Um, so I call it Osgood's Law. That's your friend, Osgood? Yeah. Smart man. Um, let me let me interject for one second and say, um, have have you have you read uh, the the four agreements? Don Miguel uh, Ruiz. No, no. So it's like Tol- Toltec wisdom. It's like ancient uh, Na- Native American wisdom, and so there's four things that you got to learn to master. Um, one of them is to be 
be uh, be be impeccable with your words. Uh, another one is to um, always give your best. And he says like that can change at different times. You know, you can't always give the same from day to day, but you can always give your best. And another one that just really stands out, I really wish people would uh, get their hands on this book or at least this concept that he says, don't ever take something personally. personally. He says, because whatever someone else says, it's reflecting what's inside of them and not you. You know, so they're externalizing. And so um, a lot of people, rightfully so, were really down on Trump for a lot of the cyber, cyber bullying that he was doing. And I was, I'll be, I was vocal about it. But on the other hand, if I take a step back and take a look at this objectively, I say, well, he's projecting whatever's going on inside of his in internally. And I could have predicted exactly what his childhood was like, but his, his, I think his niece released a book um, about him and she confirmed every last thing I would have thought about him which is that his dad was like a, like overbearing perfectionist and made him feel like garbage. And basically his dad is probably a narcissist as well. So people who have narcissistic personalities, they have a fracture inside of themselves and they overcompensate for it. So I, I try, I was just thinking about this today when talking, thinking about what to say. And um, if you were to walk into a room and you were like the smartest person in that room, uh, that would be like, okay, maybe that's possible. But if you were to walk into like a stadium and you say, okay, I'm not only the smartest person in this room, I'm the best looking person in this room. I can get the most girls in, uh, in anyone. And I just went on and on about 10 different things. The likelihood of that happening would be astronomically zero. But that's not even what Trump says. He says, I'm the smartest in everything. I don't think, I don't think he's ever said anything that he wasn't the best at, you know? So I'm like, what's the likelihood that you're even one? You know what I mean? So that's, that's an overcompensation though. And I understand it. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it, not like it, but I, I just, I understand where he's coming from. And in that sense, I pity the guy. I mean, I hate the behavior, but you know, when I was in middle school, um, we used to take people's names and try to flip them around or try to take syllables and make them into funny names you know really immature stuff and it stopped in middle school though and i'm thinking this guy's continually doing this at the age of 70 so what does that say about where he is um, <laughs> internally you know and this is like i'm not trying to bash him I'm, I'm genuinely empathizing with the guy because i've been in that same exact place yeah i was uh, i was the sheriff growing up but i was also marshmallow and uh, a few other things yeah yeah, so I had these names. Don't bully me now. Don't bully me. But uh, but yeah, you know uh, that happens. Um, and, and there there is one thing I do want to talk about. Like when I interact with some of my friends, uh, almost always guy friends, we're constantly uh, ragging on each other, mm -hmm, teasing mm -hmm. each other, making fun. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what a lot of guys kind of do at least mm -hmm. here in America, in mm -hmm. my experience, guys who like each other, who get along yeah, with our friends, like right, right. We're, we're constantly, you know, putting each other down. Yeah. But it's done in a way that everybody knows you're joking. Everybody, exactly. you know, it's just part of the fun. Um, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there, that if you see some of that happening, it's not necessarily bullying behavior. Right. It's right. It's just guys bantering being guys. Sure, um, sure, sure. But, but oh yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, I get what you're saying. Totally. But but and adult. I... Go Sorry, ahead. Good. Oh okay. No, good. See, we're so respectful. We're just letting each <laughs> other, you know, go. <laughs> um, we should start but, fish, finishing each other's sentences. There you go. <laughs> uh, but what about uh, adult bullying? You know, that's another thing uh, because that does happen. It happens in, in workplaces. Uh, I think you were just talking about this uh, with regards to uh, our former president. You know, he's really engaging in adult bullying, you know, and now mm -hmm. your, your coffee's gone. So I still have some of mine. I'm, I'm bullying you. But, I was uh, just looking at this and uh, it's actually... My daughter's definitely not going to be a P Picasso, but uh, she wow. made this for me. Oh, wow. Really? 
That's yeah. actually really nice. Anyway, adult bullying is a thing. And I'm just kind of curious if anybody amongst the three of us has any experience with adult bullying. Uh, and by the way, I'd be interested in having an actual bully on the show at some point and to get that other perspective. I don't think they would come on, though. They don't have that kind of courage, you know? Well, I'll start off first. And I will say um, I had um, very, very, very low self-esteem. I mean, it's hard. Can't even put it and can't even articulate how, how low it was. So um, one of the ways that would make me feel better was, was to bully. And that happened well until maybe around the age of 30, until I got divorced. I got divorced from my wife at the age of a 29 and um and just tell you a little little back backstory at darrington uh, and i moved back to america met christ came back to south korea after five years divorce and she got pregnant the first night i came back so um my daughter was born right in the olympics so just her third birthday but uh but that anger was being i mean i was bullying my wife there's no other way to say it i was bullying mm -hmm. my wife i mean i wasn't physically hitting her or anything like that but it was psychological. Um, it was verbal. And um, after I became a Christian, um, my family thought that I was having a mental breakdown because actually uh, I had an experience where Jesus Christ spoke to me in my room and everybody thought I was going mentally insane. And so they sat me down and they said, you are going to counseling tomorrow. You do not have a choice. And I was like, just totally dejected. And um, so the next morning, my brother went in with the, to the triage thing. And um, they asked me questions for like an hour and a half. It was the most embarrassing hour and a half of my life. Because it's so crazy when you articulate the things that you've done. It's a different when you're just do it. And it doesn't register. It doesn't register in your mind the same way that when you articulate it. And in fact, my counselor even said, there's even, a, there's a reluctance to talk about it. So they would literally have us, they would do art. They would make us do art because they said, it's more free flowing when you do it. So I drew a picture of myself and I titled this um, Bored and Her. And it was a woman, it was a picture of a woman holding the hand of a, of like a board, like literally, I, I drew myself as like a, like a, like a, like a door and, and the woman was alive and I was just like dead inside, you know, I was totally. And so if I tell you how many times that came out to other people, I, I wouldn't, it would be in the thousands, the thousands of times. So I had to get counseling to fix that side of me. And, um, you know, I, a lot of journaling though. So I, I would definitely talk about journaling and just really, you know, journaling your ideas. Um, if you are bullied, get your ideas out there. Like, why are you doing this? I don't think a lot of people could really genuinely tell you why they're doing the things that they do. They kind of just get on autopilot, you know? So I think you need time to reflect. And talking to a counselor is really good because they can help lead you along the way. Hey, Darrington, I do want to throw this out there. Um, I think you're really good. Yeah, you you've given good, thoughtful responses. You sound good on 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 audio. Um, you're all right, man. I I'm I'm really pleased with your appearance on here today. Thank right. You my head is swelling, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're doing great. You're doing awesome. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so okay, so um, are you are you familiar with um, Candace Owens Darrington? Uh, I, her name doesn't ring a bell, no. So she's yeah. an African-American conservative that um, is extremely, extremely toxic. Uh, she, in fact, gauges in cyberbullying uh, herself. But she actually started off as like a liberal. And she had wanted to do a project where they were basically going to categorize everyone's online cyberbullying. And then um, people could see, you know. Um, if people were basically like uh, whistleblowing. Yeah. But then like the liberals got like really upset with her that she wanted to do that. And so 
that kind of like, I guess that caused her to become a conservative. But I want to ask you if, what do you think about that idea? And should there be any, uh, what should the consequences be or any of cyberbullying? Cyberbullying is a special domain in my opinion, right? Because to me, for something to be bullying, it has to be irrational, it has to be ostracizing, and it has to be uh, asymmetrical, right? So, like, when a schoolyard bully is bullying, and you're the victim, right, there's no, there's no way to rationalize that. You're just the person in the room who was the target, for whatever reason. And you have no power to change the situation, right? The, the power dynamic is completely on the bully side whether it be physical or a group of kids, you know, ganging up on someone else. And, um, you know, I think, I think most importantly, um, you know, it's this idea of ostracizing. You're becoming the other. And that is, comes from evolutionary baggage. Like our ancestors a long time ago, you know, had developed for whatever reason, this need to be able to villainize or demonize the other. Um, and we're still dealing with the consequences of that. So most of us get through that in our childhood. We've all probably experienced the, the experience of being the bully in some situation. And we've all probably experienced the, the experience of, of having been bullied. And then we kind of mature out of it. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who don't. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the online situation is new to us, right? This last generation is the first of our species to have a situation where you can be anonymous and bully, right, 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 and that's cathartic. We like that because you can get angry at somebody but not experience the consequences. Mm. Um, there's also another side of that, right? This bully, like if I go to to a Facebook group or 4chan or whatever, this bully can't punch me in the face, right? I can escape this situation. I can simply go to another medium. So it's, it's not um, isometrical or asymmetrical in that, in that regard. I have power, at least as much power as the person who's talking trash, right? And it's... Uh, Trolling. Yeah, you yeah. can block them. Yeah, you, you can block them. You can go somewhere else. You can leave the conversation. There are situations where they push and that that online bullying comes into the real world. And I think that that is bullying. But if we're just talking about somebody talking garbage on the internet, telling mm. you you're, you're ugly or whatever, like you got to build up a tolerance to that mm. um, because it's not, it's not real, right? We feel like it's real because our, our monkey brains think it's the same thing as somebody about to punch us in the face, but it's not. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, Dale Carnegie says that things like that, hey, you got to let it slide off of your back like like rain. He said, just let it go down your so yeah yeah. You brought you brought up a really cool point, Darrington, that I wanted to ask about, uh, which is you know, isn't bullying part of nature? Doesn't it serve to establish you know pecking order? Uh, not everybody can be at the top of the food chain, if you will, or the social chain or network, whatever it may be. Um, should we therefore tolerate it to some degree, do you think? Or uh, is it absolutely always bad, wrong, and, and um, we, we should do everything we can to combat it, right. you know? Or so, whatever consequences, because yeah, get that one. I, th- I think it depends on the venue, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're going to a place, the, the acceptable behavior in a church is not the same thing as acceptable behavior in a boxing gym. Mm-hmm. Right. In a boxing gym, we're going to be talking smack to each other. We're going to be bantering. We're, you know, you're trying to get under each other's skin so you can thicken yourself up. So, um, you know, the night of the match, the other guy can't say something that makes you lose your temper. Mm. So this kind of horseplay is is important to build up tolerance. And I think that takes me back to like public school. If public school taught me anything at all it's to thicken my skin and build up tolerances against that type of um, attack. You know, you can't call me a funny name. Like I can't call Marshall. I'm sure you feel the same way. You can't make fun of your name anymore and get Mm -hmm. under your skin. Like you're inoculated to that kind of activity. And the only way you get inoculated is through horseplay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
So you tend to think that some of the, uh, maybe some of the way the liberals have, have seen like with cancel culture or hotbed words, like maybe they've gone a little bit extreme with that. Would you agree with that? I, I think that part of what they're failing to recognize is that there have to be, we, we have to have these sort of vomitoriums, these emotional vomitoriums. Um, so if, if you're someone who is actually attacking somebody out on Twitter, um, yeah, may, maybe you, sh you should have some social repercussions, but it should be like, the consequences should be the same as if somebody farted in an elevator. Right. We just kind of all react with disgust and back up and nobody talks to you for a few days. You don't need a slap on the wrist. You don't need to go to Twitter jail. Right. Get like, fired. Right. You don't need to get fired. Um, and especially if it's done in a venue where that type of behavior is ne necessary for that venue to operate. Any chance you've seen um, Cobra Kai? Uh, no, it, it's funny. We were just talking about that last night. How, how old are you? Brother? I'm 40. 40. Oh, God. So you definitely, definitely, definitely saw Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. So Karate Kid was like, Karate Kid and the Never Ending Story were like scripture for me growing up. That's like, <laughs> yeah. There was Bible and then Karate Kid and like, ne those guys were tied for two and three. But, um, you know, Johnny Lawrence is supposed to be like, considered one of the worst like bullies of all time like uh sorry as far as film w one of the best bullies it's very i don't i don't want to give away any spoilers but let's just say um because you really should watch it but it deals a lot with bullying and um in fact they deal with cyberbullying as you're talking about and one of the lines he says on there he says this girl tells him that he's she's being cyberbullied anonymously and he's like oh god that's horrible and she's like, he goes, when I was a kid, he goes, when you wanted to bully someone, you did it to their face. He goes, there was honor, there was respect. <laughs> and he didn't even, he didn't even see the irony uh, of what he was, what he was saying, you know? And, and I think sometimes, honestly, I think sometimes you're just in a moment and maybe sometimes it's not even intentional, you know, like I, I that's why if, I'm not sure if you noticed in that thread, I didn't respond back to anything, anybody. I mean, I, I responded, but I wasn't, I wasn't, there's, there's this, there's this, 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 this quote, this thought is that you don't go into the mud with people, you know, or if you entertain a clown, then you become a part of the circus. So um, for me, I know what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I know I'm a nobody. I, I don't have like, a, I'm not an expert. We don't have a huge following, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to provide a healthy, safe environment where people can agree, they can disagree, but along the way, we can be honest about, hey, our limitations, um, our background. I'm not trying to hide the fact that I was a bully, you know? I, who would admit that they're a bully up until the age of 30, uh, about 30, you know, it's a hard thing to do. It's, it's so painful, especially having a daughter now, and especially in South Korea where bullying, cyberbullying has led to a lot of deaths. That is so painful in my life to, to, to admit that, you know, but uh, on the other hand, it's like, hey, if we don't address these things, if we don't show people how to argue properly, you know, because I quoted Dale Carnegie, um, I got my hands on his book right after I got divorced and I started reading it and it started to help me. I started to see what was wrong with me, truly, how to win friends and influence people. But uh, one of the things he does in there, and maybe I'll post a link to this because I created the notes for this, but it's how to argue with someone. Like one of the things that he says, I think is so important, so important is that it says, avoid your first impression. Because it's, it's like, he's very, it's very frequently wrong. And I can't tell you how many times my first impression of someone has been wrong, you know? And I think maybe some people were getting that about me. And I think if they would have read that, <laughs> they would say, hey, you know what? I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tell you guys off. I'm not trying to, some people said I was trying to uh, set them up um, on there, you know, but you saw the first one that we did and we're just trying to show respect. We're trying to say, hey, it's fine to agree to disagree. Marshall and I 
agree to disagree all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So actually, there's one other thing. Um, one other thing I want to ask a question, but I just want to tell you about how the idea for this started. We had there's another host before this uh, atheist, and uh, we met at a at an atheist like support group uh, as Christian. Mm-hmm. But I actually went there like with the express intent to debate him, and um, it was at a pizza parlor. So we were there and we had a pizza and we had a couple of pitchers of beer and we talked for like three hours and we hit it off so well, you know. So I think if people if people really just got time to, you know, spend time with each other and not talk about things that they know that they're going to disagree on, you know, because we agree about 90% of life. It's like everybody gets caught up on that 10%. So what what kind of what do you think we could do to like humanize people more, um, Darrington? Um, so I, I I like the idea of respect, but Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to, I don't have to respect you to be courteous. I mean, I, 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 I respect you, but if, if I'm having a conversation with somebody who maybe I don't respect, right, I can still be courteous and -hmm. I can still have a conversation, understand that they're a human being with multiple, multiple dimensions and there's a lot more to them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think you're, you're onto something with that. Don't, don't listen to your first impressions. Um, but I, I also think that we often get onto this conversation about like our cosmological viewpoints define us Mm. when really there's more in common between you and me than there is between say, um, me and a Trumpster. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. or, or you and the Baptist church that's down the road from me. Right. Mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. You know, you both believe in God, but honestly, that's about where it ends. Um, and there's so much more in this world that's mm-hmm. interesting to, to talk about besides these uh, sort of big cosmological questions. Um, the, the Trump thing, by the way, I do, I do want to mention, I don't think mm-hmm. that that's bullying. It, it doesn't it's not irrational um, in my mind. It's methodical. I think that there are people in the world that have learned how to use this as a weapon it appears to me like Trump was a person who has learned to weaponize this behavior and make it uh, work for him. And it's obviously done well for the guy, right? Like he's, he's good at it and he benefits highly from it. So um, I, I think, I think it does the term bullying a disservice to call what these people who weaponize bullying, um, bullying, it's something else because at a fundamental level he sought to dehumanize some kind of human beings in some way or another and some and i told i think i told marshall this is that hitler didn't start off with gassing people that's not the first step he did the first step he did was to write a book all right the second step he did was start to talk about it and then the third step he did was that he started to lock people up all right, put him in, in, and then the fourth step was that. So that started first, though, with dehumanizing. So um, I, I do, I don't want to quote the Bible too much, but I'm going to quote the Bible here and say that uh, James says that um, he says that with our mouths, we both praise God and then we turn around and we curse someone who's created in his image. So James take it so far as to say, Verbally attacking someone is a human rights violation in, in, his, um, in his idea that, and not to say, okay, something's wrong with you, like, you need to do that. Um, like, like, really, a lot of my problem with Christians is what you were talking about is that nobody was saying that. It was becoming normalized. And, you know, and, I, and then I would, I would say, like, hey, this isn't, this is really unhealthy. I made some sermons about it. And Christians are like, oh, well, you just support that, um, da da da, whoever. And I'm like, uh, no, no, I, I never said that. I never said I. You can't assume that I support something else because I don't support one thing. So that's another one of those yeah. things with uh, avoiding your your first um, assumptions. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think ultimately, not just online but verbally. He was seeking to debase people um, for lots of different ways. I mean, one of the one of the one of the most horrific things I think 
it's hard to say which one is most horrific, but he said that he wouldn't have a sexually assaulted one of these women had because she was so ugly. Yeah. And it's like, what relevance does it have to do with someone, whether or not someone would sexually abuse someone, you know, it's the most non sequitur saying, you know, it's basically putting value on someone because of how they look, you know? So, but um, yeah, as a Christian, I I had to say um, you guys need to call this out because you're not supporting him. If you don't check this behavior, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And it did up until the point where people are storming the Capitol. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I called it five years ago, but how do you think, let's say you see someone bullying, um, what do you think appropriate response would be to, to try to call them out on it or um, to try to out of love? Maybe it's a friend or a relative because I actually have some relatives like that. Do you have any advice on that? Um, yeah, no, that's hard. Um, pro- probably for a lot of the, the same reasons why the, the Christian right couldn't call out Donald Trump, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you got it. You have to intervene. It's important to intervene. Um, but I also, I think it's important to give just a moment to allow the victim to take a stand, right? You don't want to be white knighting. You don't want to be jumping in and defending every single person because they, they really need that opportunity. The, The victim needs the opportunity to stand up for themselves and prove to themselves that they they have what it takes to not be bullied. Because mm. um, it's about development process, right? So you got to give just just a little bit of time for them to pull themselves out of the mm. water. And then if you see them drowning, then you have to intervene and you mm. have to kind of, you know, jump in, stop the situation, and then pull maybe both of them aside and, and give them the treatment that they need, right? So like for the victim, it's the it's not your fault you know, you can do better, kind of, you know, pick yourself back up. It's okay to, to, it's okay to feel this way, but we're going to try and feel better tomorrow. Um, We're going to try and be better tomorrow. And then for the bully, almost the exact same thing, right? Like that, that behavior is not acceptable, mister. Um, But then you have to work, work about why that that behavior was, was thought to be acceptable in the first place. Um, Mm. So you can't, you can't do that with the power dynamics of the American political system. Once somebody is the president, right, they leverage mm-hmm. the power of their party. And anybody who tries to pull them aside and say, you farted in the elevator, is going to get primary. I'm married. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in, in a family circumstance, obviously at some point it becomes abusive. And so there's different remedies for different levels. Um, but early on, if you're, we're just talking about like the schoolyard bullying kind of definition, you, you can intervene and, and just kind of give some love. Uh, these people who are methodically weaponizing bullying, they need to be dealt with a completely different way. And I don't have the answer for that. Okay. Yeah. I found, uh, yeah, I found that, um, when I, uh, suffered bullying, uh, my friends who expressed care, concern, sympathy, who helped out on some level, that was precious. That was invaluable. That's what really helped me to survive and kind of limited the damage or the trauma that was caused by some of the behavior I received. I'd also like to say that some of my schoolyard bullies have later become friends because they matured out of wow. it. Wow. And they acknowledged, hey, I, I was kind of a jerk to you. I'm really sorry about that. And that means a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of the people who's been a bully, uh, and, you know, I think most adults can forgive a certain degree of childish behavior and immaturity because obviously we were children. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I tend not to hold that against mm-hmm. uh, my peers as, as we all kind of grow older together and we're all in the same social networks in the same graduating class. Uh, I'm, I'm very quick to pardon because like I think Darrington pointed out, a lot of these people have their own trauma that they were mm-hmm. dealing with as children, and that's why they acted out the way they mm-hmm. did. Because remember, you're, you're talking about children in many cases. What I have a hard time forgiving, however, is when I see adults engage in this behavior or they haven't ever matured out of this behavior. Those are the people who need a lot of work. 
because I worry about their children. I worry about their family. Uh, I think they're they're probably creating a lot of chaos and trauma in their world, their coworkers, and um, uh, really, uh, if I were a Christian, I'd say pray for them because I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I believe in prayer for sure. Um, Tim mentioned I was I was watching some old uh, stuff of his, and he says, you know, the the two things to remember is be compassionate, and uh, you know, make sure that there are social consequences for people who are rude mm-hmm. um, to people who are not compassionate. So mm-hmm. if you're working with somebody and like everything's great, but they're just like really <laughs> to the waitresses, right? That says something about their character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may want to talk to them about that, but at some point you may just be want to be like, I don't want to work with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, get out of the elevator that that they're farting in. Uh, man, you must love the movie, um, uh, Liar, all fart Liar. jokes with me. Liar, Liar. Yeah, yeah it's all fart jokes with me. Sorry. Farts on there. I, I got a really, um, kind of philosophical, little theological, little sociological, but, um, what are you doing with the Yoda in the background over there, man? So oh, that's, that's my little Yoda backpack. I've had him for like forever. He, he watches over me. Uh, okay. <laughs> you must love the Mandalorian then. I I do. Um, I I really like sci-fi and fantasy, um, and so the Mandalorian's good. Uh, uh, I you know it, it to me the the Star Wars franchise is less actiony and more like what kind of moral values. I I feel like I got a lot of moral values from the Star mm-hmm. Wars movies, the, especially you know um, the early ones, like. Um, you know, truth is a matter of perspective or Yoda's, you know, do or do not. There is no try. Um, so, you know, we, that's the problem with being atheists is, is we don't really have a book. We have to kind of pick out our uh, cherry pick. Well, yeah, you, you just pick the best, the best little moral points from everything that you find. Um, what, what, what would your top three uh, favorite um sci-fi movie i'm a sci-fi nut uh i think sci-fi teaches us morality uh it twists it twists reality to the point where it shows us like breaking points of uh of reality and i i think it's it's the most unique genre because it can transcend so many other different genres you know you could have you could have cowboy sci-fis you could have um horror you could have um one of my favorite, it's, it's just technically a sci-fi, but it doesn't really play out like it. But Vanilla Sky, it's probably my second favorite movie of all time. One thing Marshall and I are doing is that we're talking about things to just to kind of, you know, talk about some stuff. Like the other, the other day we were talking about books um, because we're trying to find common ground. And so I think if we, the more things we could talk about, whether it's movies or music or, you know, some... So I, I would just like to do that for a second. If you could just tell me like your top threes of uh, movies and bands. You kind of like a Slayer, yeah. maybe a Slayer I, fan with that hair. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of, um, of Death really metal. All, kind, all kinds of genre, death metal, uh, heavy metal. Um, I, I, I would say probably um, Tool is my like go-to. Like if there were two bands that I... I will just go to on in a heartbeat. It's uh, either Tool or Tenacious D, um, depending on my mood. Mm. One uh, more, one more band. I don't know, like I, Nine Inch Nails when I'm when I'm feeling depressed and I, I need a need to go, go down that, to that spiral. Yeah, I yeah, was I telling Marshall, I was telling Marshall, there's like three untouchables to me. Um, Casablanca, um, the Casablanca 1984 for books, and then Nirvana, because Nirvana is just like, in fact, I was just there tonight with my wife doing karaoke with Nirvana. But what about you, Marsh? Oh, favorite band, uh, gotta be U2. Uh, I'm also big into Inya, love everything she's produced. Mm. Um, so Inya is a lot of time when I just kind of want to chill out, relax, or meditate, think about something. Uh, you two kind of just whatever. Um, but then, uh, 
the greatest sci-fi movie of all time ever made, 2001 Space Odyssey. Hands down, bar none, greatest sci-fi, period. Uh, also my favorite author, Arthur C. Clarke. So, you know, you got all that right there. You um, never saw, you clearly never saw Cloud Atlas then, right? I have seen it. I have seen it. I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, but again, 2001 is in a class all by itself. All right, top three, Darren Chen, and then we're gonna we're gonna bring this in. And uh, what's your top three for uh, movies, movies yeah. or books? Um, oh, well, both, both. Well, let's hear them both. Okay, so um, I would say right now that the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov is. Um, we were just talking about him. Absolutely, my favorite. I've reread it. It's the only book series that I've reread like three times. Wow. Um, and it just like as I age, it gets better and better because I'm more mature and I can understand more things. Um, so uh, I, would, I would say that, that for the book series. And then, um, you know, the rest, of, the rest of the books I read are all nonfiction. They're all either like technical computer manuals or they're um, Carl Sagan. Um, Carl you know, Sagan, genius. Yeah, my, my Amazing personal... prose. Amazing you know, prose. Isaac, I, Isaac Asimov, you know, he tries to incorporate... Um, which I think the best sci-fi does, you try to incorporate realistic elements that could potentially be there one day, you know? And he said of Carl Sagan that Carl Sagan is the only person he ever met that he he left the conversation feeling like an absolute idiot. Yeah. And he's a smart... They're smart guys. But, uh, okay. Um, so... Movies, mo last three, and then... Mo I mean, movies are hard ones to put, put into context. I, I love a lot of... A lot of different movies. Um, we're what uh, recently I watched The Expanse uh, the last season, and I, I'd say that that it, I love hard sci-fi, and they did they just did it so well. So it's kind of soap opery, but if if you're interested in, in hard sci-fi, like you know where gravity is important, totally worth watching The Expanse. Do, do you watch um, Westworld? Uh, yeah, Westworld was really really good. I love loved Westworld. Um, Kind of oh. anything with that kind of thing, like even Battlestar Galactica, um, where you're, you know, there's there's these philosophical questions about who are we, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. what is intelligence, what is mm -hmm. consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know if I could really nail it down to like a solid one, uh, single movie. If either of you haven't check out Snowpiercer, uh, I got to represent it because it's representing Korea and. Uh, Cloud Atlas is representing Korea, so I'm mm -hmm. a little biased, but those are two of my favorites. But Cloud Atlas was know, fantastic, and Snowpiercer yeah. was too. Yeah. Yep. You know what, uh, Darrington? I just uh, I'm looking right into the camera, and I really want you to know how much I appreciate your time. Um, I know it's an early Saturday morning, or Saturday, Saturday, right? Yeah, here it's Sunday. Yeah. Here it's it's we're we're in the future. Talk about time travel. This is like you guys are in the past, man. So. I'm like in a time machine here, but I uh, really appreciate your time. Um, really appreciate you reaching out in the group, uh, man to man, person to person, computer to computer. That was uh, that was really cool and standing up for this. And I, just the way you explained what that group was makes me feel so much differently about like the way that I was treated. So that just helped to humanize and understand them so, so much. I really, really, really thank you. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I am sorry for the Christians who've given you guys a reason to think that. I mean, yesterday I had an hour and a half talked with the guest and, you know, it's very hard to hear a lot of things that he was saying that the way he's been treated by Christians. So I just sincerely apologize for that. So. I want to let Darrington know that I, I can probably guarantee 100% that your commentary today uh, is going to help people. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to remember that and think about that for the rest of the day today, that the things you shared today are definitely going to help people. And so in some small way, you've already had an impact on this world uh, through this podcast. Yeah, uh, same. And uh, I just want to thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and we're going to put uh, links to, if you're experiencing 
maybe suicidal thoughts or if you've been cyberbullied or um, any kind of mental health, alcoholics, anonymous, all that stuff. We'll have links for everything in the in the video description. Yeah, so. reach out. Yep. Thank you guys for what you do. All right. um, I've been listening to your podcast. I'll be a, a subscriber and a longtime listener. So uh, if you need anything, reach out. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to see you back next time. This is RHE Podcast signing out, and we look forward to seeing you again. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.